Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mad About Mad About You. It is another week. So here we are. It's me, Russ Fader. And John Marbley. That's what his name is. Boom. We're happy to be back. Nailing it so far. I know my name. You know your name. I read it off a paper. <laughs> I gave you too much credit. Not Never this ID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, you know what? If you remember back to the very first thing that happened on this podcast, uh huh, you read my name. I did. So uh, think of how far we've come since then. Indeed. <laughs> think of all the fan fiction that could be written about us as hosts of a semi-obscure podcast. <laughs> do you think we should do like a body swap? I think it might already have happened. <laughs> <laughs> you and I are just like, there's some magic in our iphone connection and just like oh my god you're just you just you're living the life that i want out in la yeah yeah we both had the same spark from like the headphone jack on our iphones at the same time yeah when we do the sign off this is what we're saying at the same time lightning strikes (laughs) (laughs) tune in next week where i will be john marbley and i will be russ fader You was a final frontier. We're traveling outside of time and space here. So let's break it down now. It's just what we do. It's mad about mad about you. How are how are you? A good week so far? Great week. Yeah. Uh huh. Excellent. How about you? Yeah. Pretty good week. Oh, what a reassuring high pitch. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was great good. week. What was what could be bad about this week? Nothing. <laughs> John, what are we here to do right now? We're here to talk about episode nine of okay. season one, which was called Riding Backwards. That's a great idea. What a loaded title for an episode, huh? <laughs> I think it's uh unilevel. There's no hidden meanings. Did you say unilevel? Unilevel. I made up a term which might also be a type of pen, but that may be Unilever. Unilever is a consumer goods, personal hygiene product company like Procter & Gamble. Great. Yeah. Great, great, great. They make Axe body spray. (laughs) And they own Ben & Jerry's. Okay. Do you think that they might want to sponsor us? (laughs) Can you imagine if this podcast was sponsored by a multinational, like a multinational, multi-billion-dollar company? Yeah, I can, John. <laughs> I can think about it all the way to the bank. I'm open. I'll take money from anyone. <laughs> Listen, we might get the Colombo crime family on board. If we that's keep true. Mentioning them. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Oh, yeah, John. You know what? I'm so sorry. We can't talk about this episode yet because we have other important matters to discuss. Yes. We have a sweepstakes winner, John. Yeah, yeah. Can you even believe it? I can't. We gave a sweepstakes a few weeks back for who could take a photo in front of... The Buckman's building. The Buckman's building in New York. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And lo and behold... Who who won? We got them. It is Ryan Crum. Da-da-da-da! At Ryan Crum. Today's your big day. You did it. We appreciate it, and you, 
and your giant check is also in the mail. Russ, stop telling people that. John, I've got so many giant checks. <laughs> oh, if you're doing it, great. They've got, they're, they're just filling up all this room in my apartment. <laughs> well, put them in the mail, for God's sake. I, I need to. I need to. <laughs> There's postage is a lot of money. <laughs> I know. They are very big checks. That's exciting. Thanks for uh, playing, everyone. Yeah. You nailed it, buddy. You were the first of so many. First and only. Don't 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 look for them. <laughs> for the after, last one. after we claimed you, everybody else just pulled theirs from the internet. So yeah, I wonder that's... how many people are listening to this as they were about to snap that photo. <laughs> that could have clinched it for them. We're so sorry. Uh, we're so sorry, but the title has been claimed. It'll be in the Times, just like logjam of people out in front of Buckman's building. They were covering Bridge like it was the Olympics That's 20 true. years ago, so who knows? <laughs> Podcast sweepstakes column. Oh my goodness. Love it. So this episode is Riding Backwards. It aired on uh, Wednesday, November 18th, mm-hmm. 1992, mm-hmm. which is a week after last week's. Yeah, we haven't missed a uh, week yet. The perfectly succinct TV guide described this episode as Thanksgiving with Jamie's parents is no holiday for Paul, nor for Lisa, who hires Selby to be her boyfriend to placate her family. Very good. You know what? Not very good. Oh, wow. Okay. Because, John, there were two other people in that car. Well, you know, part of a succinct description is knowing what to cut. I guess that's true. Mm-hmm. Our podcast is very long, so I don't know anything about that, and I don't do the yeah, editing. So We don't know anything about being succinct. So it is clear that I, this is not my forte. Same, to be honest. <laughs> I know I might edit the podcast every week, but you would be shocked at how little I actually cut. <laughs> Oh, man. John? Yeah? What a fun night on television. What was on TV? Well, first of all, we're not going to talk about it too much because... Oh, the Hat Squad. Actually, I'm not sure if the Hat Squad was on this week. Oh, okay. But what was on, first of all, Seinfeld this week. Mm, Yeah, switch up. The pilot. (laughs) Not the pilot. They didn't drop that into the middle of things. Okay. It was the contest, John. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Epic. Legendary. Possibly the best Seinfeld episode of all time aired tonight. I mean, not in my opinion, but in a, in the world's opinion, yes. I would say. What, what's your favorite? I mean, Russ, I, I don't know. There's too many. I can't pick. I love Babu Bhatt. Okay. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm listing them like my grandmother would have. Yes. I love the pen. Uh, I love... <laughs> I actually love season three. Yeah. I think season three is one of my favorite seasons. I love the parking space. I I love all of the ones that just, you really feel like you're in the city at the time. Sure. I love Serenity now. Oh, interesting. Late, late season. So much good stuff happens in that episode. Yeah, it's very good. It's a really good one. But again, we're not going to discuss that any further because, like I said, that could be its own thing. Absolutely. A special event television episode was on tonight. Oh, okay. Michael Jackson. Yes. Wait, really? I guessed. Yeah, it was the Jacksons and American Dream. Oh, the my Jackson gosh. The Jackson 5 miniseries. <laughs> oh, I, you know, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think I really have my fingers on the pulse of what was going on in 1992 <laughs> in the United States. I think that's clear. I think you've made that abundantly clear. <laughs> what channel was that on? Uh, I believe ABC, it was I ABC. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They love the specials. They love the music. We're starting to hit a trend in my recaps uh-huh. wherein I find the thing 
that I'm recapping and just watch that, and that takes longer <laughs> than the episode. So I watched about an hour and a half of the second part of Jackson's An American Dream this what? morning. What? Yeah. The second half? It was a three-hour? It was a five-hour. It was two nights. Oh, and it was nonfiction, right? Like, it wasn't actors. It was actors, in fact. Wait, what? Yeah, they, it was scripted. So it was like a Lifetime kind of thing. No, I mean, it was ABC, but it was like what we do now with, like, Lifetime. It, I mean, it was like a Like, the real story. It was a biopic, basically, of this oh, family. Oh, okay, sure. With, um, I can't remember the, I can't remember his name, but. Great. The, the dude who played <laughs> Freddie Boom Boom Washington on Welcome Back, Cotter, played Joe Jackson. <laughs> Oh, no name needed. I think we all have a mental. Uh... Uh, I'm sure. You, I'm sure. I'm sure listeners do. He played who? Joe Jackson, their father. Oh, the father. Yes. Angela Bassett played Catherine, their mother. No. Billy D. Williams was Barry Gordy, head of Motown. Oh my gosh. Vanessa Williams was in it, and Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. That's, that's who. It. That's yes. who played. Uh... Yes, yes, yes. And Terrence Howard played one of the Jackson brothers, and it's awesome. What? That's crazy. It's terrible. But as far as nostalgia goes, it's really something to be recapping a show from the early 90s now and have a miniseries. Be watching it now and be watching a miniseries that I first watched in the early 90s about people who I loved in the 80s Mm -hmm. who were popular in the 70s. (laughs) Wait, did you watch this when you were a kid? I did. I watched this when it was on. Oh, wow. And... It hits all the tropes of st- – like, the acting and writing is very, very bad. Oh, wow. Everything is okay. overwrought and super well, is dramatic. Well, it bad or is it just stylistic and melodramatic? Well, I can't tell because I would say it's bad. Uh-huh. But if you've ever heard the Jackson family talk, <laughs> oh. Oh. They, they talk like bad actors. I've never heard them speak. Well, you, you just think about the way that Michael spoke and everything was very, no, everything is fine. No, we love each other. There's nothing but love here. True, well, true. I, I speak in euphemisms and in grandiose sentences. And mm, about, yes. And, but it's also very childlike. That's just the way I talk. And then you sound you, like the creep from Family Guy. <laughs> I do, kind of. And then you put that on ABC and have people who aren't the Jacksons saying those lines. And you're like, who wrote this schlock? And it's just like, no, that's the way they talk. Mm, yes, yes. But all that being said, they hit some of the moments, like the dancing is amazing. And some, oh, that's fun. And some things they sing and some things they don't sing. Like some things it's them singing live and other things it's recorded. But like, you know, the big thing that I was watching today was, so Michael has a crisis of confidence and stuff. And he's just like, I want to do my own stuff. But also, I'm part of this family. Mm-hmm. And Barry Gordy is like, hey, we're going to do a celebration of Motown being around for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Jackson left the Jackson 5 because he was married to Barry Gordy's daughter. Oh. Yeah, they got married. And the band left Motown so that they could have more control. And so they went to join Epic. And when they did, Jermaine didn't go with them. 
so that they were just like, that's fine. We've got other brothers. We'll plug a different brother in, which is what they did. Jermaine mm-hmm. <laughs> was replaced by Randy Jackson. And they became, oh. instead of being the Jackson 5, they became the Jacksons. Ah. But then they were like, Motown 25, we're going to get the old Jackson 5 back together. Jermaine's going to participate. Uh-huh. And Michael, how about you? And Michael's like, I don't know. And Barry Gordy, ah. Barry, Barry Gordy, played by Billy D. Williams, is like, Michael... It would really be great. It would be magic to have you five back up on stage together. Uh-huh. And Michael's like, you were always like a father to me. And oh. then he says, I'll do it. Yeah. But I want a solo spot. Oh, smart. And then, <laughs> smart, yeah. Not only is it smart, John, it's historic. Because then Billy Jean starts playing. And oh. it's the first time that he did Billy Jean for the world. It's when he debuted the moonwalk. What? Yeah. And you're watching an actor do this iconic performance. But even Mm. though everything is fake, the -hmm. music starts and he's wearing the glove and he's got the hat. It feels so real. And I'm just – I get goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, god damn, Barry Gordy was right. This is magic. Yeah. It was awesome. I'm a very big Michael Jackson apologist. (laughs) It's not great. But uh, it was really, really fun to watch. Yeah, I remember watching it as a kid. Man. Yeah, it was really fun. Really, really fun. That's what's doing television-wise. That's cool. Big night. Check it out on YouTube. Yeah, that is a big night. No one must have watched Mad About You that night. <laughs> was it at the not. same time? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, no one watched this yeah, show. They oh, got it went up against the contest, too? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was, yeah, it was. Uh... Wow. What a night. Isn't that something? It was pretty cool. It was really fun. What do you know about the Jackson 5? Can you name the Jacksons? Yeah. I could name some of them. Okay. Janet, Randy, Michael, the other one you said. <laughs> Stony it. or what's his name? Stony. The one that married the daughter of the producer? Jermaine. Jermaine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it, right? Yep. And uh, and Stony. Na ha 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 ha. That's it. Well, Janet wasn't part of the Jackson 5. Oh, I didn't know that. No. All boys. Oh, cuz they were all boys. Yes. Oh. So you got your Michael you got your Marlon. Marlon. I didn't know Marlon. You got Jermaine. Mm-hmm. You've heard of Tito? No. Okay. Tito Jackson. And you got Jackie. Jackie Jackson? Jackie Jackson. Never heard of... Wait, so I barely got any of them? Yeah, you... you. Not only did you not get any of them, you added a sister and made up a person. And they sing ABC, right? One, yeah. two, three? Yeah. Yeah, I like that song. Yeah, me too. It's a good one. You know, we weren't allowed to uh, listen to Michael... Uh, when I was a kid. I wasn't too familiar with the Jacksons at all. Any particular reason that you care to get into? Because he was a filthy pop star. Just pop, <laughs> just pop stars in general. Very conservative music household. What did you listen to? My folks enjoyed the stylings of Johnny Mathis, Dolly Parton, Kenny Great. Rogers. Love it. Neil Diamond, Mr. Neil Diamond. Sure, the Jewish Elvis. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that, I did not make that up, but yeah. <laughs> sure. No overtly sexual musicians. Okay. And, you know, Michael had his uh, moments. Later, his life was one big moment. But, yeah. That's a whole other ball of wax. Sure. I mean, just sort of his, you know, his dancing and stuff was a little raunchy, you might say. Sure. When you got to black or white and the whole crotch grabbing stuff. Yeah, and pretend whatnot. I grew up on the Ed Sullivan show. Basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you could watch Michael Jackson, but nothing below the hips, basically. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, tonight we have... Uh, <laughs> Dinner with a discussion about your school day. Who is this now? 
Is That's this, Ed Sullivan. Is, is that Ed, Ed Sullivan? Is this Ed Sullivan as played by Walter Cronkite? <laughs> oh, is that a Walter Cronkite? It's somewhere in between. I bet it is. With a little W.C. Fields thrown in. You know what, guys? I'm going to work on it. And by the end of this podcast and over the next couple of few years, I'm going to nail this Ed Sullivan. <laughs> I believe in you. I got to get something out of this, too. <laughs> oh, tell me about the news, John. Oh, well, this is not going to be a regular thing. By any means. Okay. But Mr. Alan Truscott, who needs no introduction, he's the bridge columnist for the New York Times circa 92. Sure. As we all know. Well, you know, last week we talked about that bridge murders story, which I thought was actual murders, and then it wasn't. It was like, I guess, good bridge players. Right. This story's not murder per se, but it just caught my eye because the story starts... Bridge was just one of many talents possessed by Janice Gilbert Fulton, known to the bridge world as Jane Stone. She and her husband, David Fulton, the mining engineer, were presumed dead after a boating accident last Thursday in the Caribbean. Uh-oh. So drama in the bridge world. Jeez. But these bridge players <laughs> are fascinating. What you got on the bridge beat, John? Well, she... <laughs> I'm just an old reporter doing my beat. I'm Johnny Bridge Marbley. Yeah. <laughs> she was a child. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a- <laughs> I can't be near a deck of cards. <laughs> she was a child actress. She appeared on radio as Little Orphan Annie. She was the paying teller on the Break the Bank television game show, which sounds like a kind of a fun game, but also stupid, probably. Probably pretty stupid. This whole bridge world is actually very interesting. She had a former marriage before this guy with the boat. Okay. And she was married to a guy named Tobias Stone. And they were married for 20 years. And Mr. Stone was a famous bridge player who had a bidding system named after him called the Roth Stone System, which was big in the 50s. And then it gets into some real bridge things that I don't understand, <laughs> including what it, what's called a psychic opening. The psychic then, opening? It says it called for a psychic opening with three to six points, mainly in the suit bid and a relatively balanced hand. Sure. So there's that. But the intrigue of this bridge world is endless to me. I'm always fascinated by couples on yachts in the middle of nowhere. I'll tell you, I want to see where our bridge ties and our mob ties intersect. Well, me too. I don't <laughs> know if they do. I want there to be a big bridge hit. Well, I'm certain if they do, we will know about it. We'll find out about it. We will find it. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of, oh, this was a fun one. Mole people. Dateline. Go ahead. November 14, 1992. About New York. Walking the beat in the subway's netherworld. You step off the platform at the 2nd Avenue station, heading on to the tracks with five Transit Authority police officers. They're on one of their daily missions to search for people living in the tunnels next to the tracks. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Basically, they're walking down the Broadway Lafayette stop, you know, where the D stops. Yeah. This reporter's just with the cops talking to different people that live down there. Wow. Yeah, so the mole people are real, officially. They don't drink blood. They don't, you know, have different colored, like... Weirdly colored eyes, like on Law and Order, but, you know, they're there. Well, these mole people don't drink blood. That's actually a great point. Yeah. A few feet from Dennis's bedroll, another man is sleeping soundly through the roar of passing trains. One of the officers bangs his flashlight on a pillar to get him up. Lieutenant Romero says the officer's following procedure. You never shine a flashlight in a sleeping man's face. You never shake him. You bang it on a thing. <laughs> yeah, next you bang to it on head. a metal rod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
like a gentleman. <laughs> the guy's name's Smitty that they woke up. For the next 40 minutes, the search continues down the tracks to the Broadway Lafayette station. Five more men are found. All are offered a meal and a ride to a shelter. All refuse and are escorted out of the subway. One man takes a box containing his record collection. No one vents. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of these people, it says, leave their stuff behind, which means that, you know, they leave and then they just go right back. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so the mole people are real. It's warm down there. That's why, you know. That's true. Oh, here's another one. Victory for an entire neighborhood. I mean, also, I'm sorry to interrupt. Not only is it warm down there, but also there's all that blood to drink. What do you think's down there? <laughs> these people. These mole people. Wait, where's the blood coming from? You don't know? They would be in hospitals. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I don't know, You would know, last John. two seconds as a mole person. <laughs> <I> if that's... <laughs> or, quite frankly, as, a, as an emergency doctor. We need blood. I'll go to the subway. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I don't There's know. blood. Have you not read the paper lately? <laughs> the mole people. There's a fictional implication that there might be a lot of blood down there. <laughs> Ooh, here we go now. What you got? Every week we wait for one of these, and this week is no disappointment. There was some blood shed by the mafia. There we go. Uh, Dateline. Go ahead. Five people shot inside a club in Brooklyn. Boom. Boy, oh it's boy. actually sad. I'm actually, I shouldn't be making light of it because there were some. Well, thankfully they were. No, <laughs> no, I forgot until just now. They were injured, I think, the innocent bystanders. Okay. And not killed. But apparently at this social club, mm. which, didn't we have a social club last week? We assumed it was Italian and we were dead wrong. Sure. That seems like a fair thing that might have happened. This week, if we made that assumption, which we are right now, we'd be right. Okay. 55 Rapelli Street. Right near the entrance of the BQE and the Brooklyn Battery Tunnel in Red Hook. Great. Uh, a couple guys popped in there with automatic weapons and just let the bullets fly, it says. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, one guy. One guy did it. Do we know who they were after or why? No. But towards the end of the story, it says, residents of the area said they believed that the club, which opened two months ago, had become a hangout for mobsters affiliated with the Colombo crime family. One woman who lives in the neighborhood said they gather around a bunch of fellows and play cards all day long. The place is packed with fellows. I'll tell you, I'm <laughs> sure that this woman is saying fellas. No, she's saying fellows. Fellows. <laughs> all of these nice fellows. And the premises contain card tables, a jukebox, and a kitchen. Wow. So I looked up the location. Uh-huh. I mean, it, now it's an abandoned nothing. It feels untouched. Except by bullets. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, they patched that up. It's been 25 years. Sure. But, but the... it's still, you know, it says officers at the scene said the interior brick walls were pockmarked with fresh bullet holes and that a glass peephole in the steel front door was spiderwebbed from slugs. When you get into town, we got to go on the, the mob tour of New York. If that's not a thing, it should be a thing. And I would love to do that. We'll make it happen. Finally, if I may. Please do. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when we talked about the story that highlighted different Long Islanders' opinions on the Amy Fisher case? Yes. Well, now there's a story about the responses of people to those responses. Uh-oh, the backlash to the backlash. Here the we backlash go. to the backlash. It was still going on back then. The New York Times was like a Facebook wall <laughs> that was highly curated. Right. This is a criticism of the views they shared. The first was from Barbara Ehrenreich. The Pat Buchanan of radical feminism. Jeez. 
Calling Mr. Butterfuco a Guido-type person, and then, lest you miss the slur, asking pardon for, quote, the obnoxious ethnic reference. Which, you remember, we cited that on the show. Yeah. Doesn't it? It feels like we're living in the time now, doesn't it? <laughs> we're deeply enmeshed in this yeah. story. We've... That is true. I can't believe they didn't cite our reference. <laughs> That'll happen one of these days. You're going to be reading, and you're going to be like, oh, here's something on the Butterfuco case. Yeah. John Marbley from the Man About Man About You podcast. What the hell is going on? We've opened up a wormhole. We're part of the story now, John. Listen, the news, if anything, is truly a wormhole to the past. <laughs> it's true. Indeed. Buddy, you don't even know the half of it. Oh, listen to this, though. This is so written by some annoyed man. Oh, it is. Charles. Gu oh, do I say his name? It's in the news, right? Charles sure. Guzetta. He okay. said his name. He goes, Mrs. Ehrenreich used the evidence that Mr. Badafuco exercises to stay trim and repairs cars to make a living to convict him of something she always seems to have found worse than attempted murder. Being male. Uh. <laughs> it's so annoying. Proto-men's rights sounds... activist. Yeah, it is. And it's like, no, being a monster. Ugh. Which, quite honestly, can be synonymous a lot of the time. Most of the time. So Ugh. that's the news mainly this week. Love Nothing it. too crazy, but a lot of uh, openings for future for intrigue. Sure. For Between sure. Bridge, Amy Fisher, and the Colombo family, I think we're going to be made in the shade, pal. It's going to be a real dark day when this whole Amy Fisher thing goes away. I think it'll be good for everyone. Not oh, for dark for us. Dark sure. for us. Yeah, we're the cynical people that need the scandal to stay alive so we can uh, have something crazy to talk about. Well, it's just huge. And hell, you know what? In a few years, we'll get to do OJ for 18 months. You are dying for that. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I just can't wait. <laughs> also, Lewinsky's going to come up eventually. I've been so excited for those things. I'm excited for when the Beatles anthology winds up on television. Oh, I bet you are. So good. Can't wait. Well, you know what? I mean, I know we were kids, so we didn't know this. But I feel like all we're doing is rewatching all of these crazy cases involving men and women. And sex, and then the women being put through the ringer. Basically. And the men getting away scot-free. Yeah. And that's history. Forever. Yeah. I mean, and it took... When did that Lewinsky story come out in Vanity Fair? Like, five years ago? It took, like, 20 years. Yeah. For, like, the country to get her side of the story as an adult. Yeah, but once they did, they forgave her, and they respected her, and now everything is fine, and everybody loves Monica Lewinsky, and they don't even remember any of... They don't remember why they gave her such a hard time to begin with, right? I don't know. Oh, are you being sarcastic? I'm being very sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got that. <laughs> well, good. So, what do we got? Mad about you? Yeah. <laughs> is that what we're going to do today? Look, patterns dictate that... <laughs> <laughs> That we now must discuss Mad About You. Well, it was uh, directed by Mr. Bardic Kelman. Our guy. Which those of you watching along, you noticed. You <laughs> noticed those Murphy Brown-esque shots. I know you did. Every step of the way. Is this a newsroom or is this a subway train? Oh, so good. So, so good. And it was written by Jeffrey Lane, who, for those paying real close attention, remember him as the writer of the episode Sunday Times. Right. Yeah, which I had to look up. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew his name rang a bell. Right. John, I can't even tell you how much I love this episode. and how I much... did, too. Oh, I love a Thanksgiving episode. Indeed. I love Thanksgiving. It is my Me favorite too. holiday. Okay. And I was not expecting a Thanksgiving episode. So, oh, you forgot about this one? Yeah. So this was just... Oh. This was just plopping a surprise Thanksgiving episode into the middle of my march. 
Oh, that's great. Oh. Yeah, like everyone says, all the stores have the sales. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanksgiving yeah. and March sale. <laughs> you the Macy's Thanksgiving and March sale. All these balloons, <laughs> just the, the floats. They can <laughs> they confuse everybody. <laughs> It was a great Thanksgiving episode, too. What's interesting is, for those who didn't watch, the whole episode is set on a train, on a Metro North train, I guess, right? Uh, yeah. Presumably. And yes. last week, most of the episode was set at a subway station. That's true. So there's a real train thing going on or two, with these people. Last week or two weeks ago? Oh, two weeks two ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, but regardless. Okay, still a train thing, still yeah. Still a train thing. Sorry to have... Uh... Sorry. Uh, to... Uh, yes, apologies for the error. Yes. Uh, John, uh, 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 uh anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, people call but, me the Pat Buchanan of Mad About You. Well, if they haven't yet, they're going to now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, huge, hugely significant episode in that we don't got no theme music. Yes, if I may borrow a term from the West Wing Weekly, I think think and i could be wrong but i think isn't this what they call a flintel i'm not positive i believe a flintel is when music or a sound effect from the episode hangs yes. over into the title card at the end oh okay well then they have a term for the beginning because it happened once and i heard it and i forgot it but this is basically a flintel basically it's a frontal a frontal <laughs> <laughs> Full frontal. But that's right. We got no theme song. No theme song. We got... And I'm guessing it's because they wanted to uh, fit in more episode, maybe. Yeah, they had to maximize uh, maximize the amount of footage and stuff. I mean, so the episode opens, and Paul and Jamie got their bags, and they're uh, looking for a seat on the 805 to Connecticut. Yeah, they're on the train. And you get that classic New York train seat action that we love from all the old shows. <laughs> I will say, yeah, watching Jamie throw her bags over Paul into uh, that chair. Yeah. Sure Cutting off a guy who, who's yeah. right about to sit down. Really great. They cut a little too quickly. I had to go back and make sure. There's a very funny moment where Paul's about to sit and this woman just dives into the chair and cuts him off. But they cut it so fast you, like, don't see it that well. You're not talking about later when he sits down on I'm talking lap. about the first, like, beat of the scene wow it happened so quickly i missed it and i watched this episode twice yeah it's too bad because it, it was very funny it reminded me of uh kramer trying to get a seat on the the subway episode of seinfeld sure that's funny <laughs> so yeah what... tweeted us your favorite subway seat uh oh please <laughs> do old shows because actually that's sort of a fun list of things classic subway scenes by all means and i really can't think of too many quite honestly but i'm sure they're out there <laughs> yeah, I can't think of too many, so let's put it on the audience. Yeah. <laughs> this is something we want to talk about, but don't have any personal experience with. So, oh, I'm sure Brooklyn Bridge has a few good ones where there was, someone's trying to grab a nice wicker seat on the yeah. old elevated <laughs> IRT. <laughs> I'm sure you're right. <laughs> Jamie throws that bag into mm -hmm. the those seats sort of at the edge of the car that everyone knows where it's right. always it's a configuration of two seats facing another two seats so right. it's like a little four seat area right 
which to me was crazy because <laughs> no one can get a seat on this train and the Buckmans thing, they could just take up we'll just get four. four whole seats. We'll get yeah. four. We'll just bounce between each other. Like fun. a couple of jerks. <laughs> it's crazy. It lends to their myopic view of the world. Indeed. <laughs> which is fine because it's their show. For sure. And the problem in New York is everyone thinks it's their show. You are blowing my mind, John. Look that's at you. what we do here. Mr. Poetry. Mr. Poetry <laughs> over here. <laughs> So they sit down, and Paul can't get himself situated. No. He needs to know which way the car is going. He does some quick underground New York geography analysis. Right. What are you doing? We came in a station this way, right? Macy's was over there, which means that Connecticut is this way. Switch seats with me. Honey, what are you doing? I can't ride backwards. I'm the same way. Do you do this? I do not, and I'd never heard of it until a few years ago. Really? I was with a friend... We were riding on the train. We were riding, I think, the LIRR together. And he was just like, he sits down. And I sat down. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, sitting on the train. And he's like, uh, you're going to be going backwards. <laughs> like, that was a thing. And I was just like, yeah. What? Yes. What's going on right now? And so, but he was like, oh, Okay. Like, is that not okay? And it was. We rode backwards. But yeah, I had never heard of that being an issue for people. Well, you're very lucky. You could probably be an astronaut then. That is one of the million reasons that I could be an astronaut, John. I get nauseous and I always do this math. So it was very fun to see. Well, good. And one more way. I do the exact same analysis every time I'm riding like a long a commuter train. You think that all that analysis is uh, easier than just getting up and changing your seat? Once the thing starts moving. If it's a busy train, yeah. Because you, know you don't know if you'll have a seat. You're right. I take it back. I was a jerk. I was yeah. a jerk just now. I'm sorry. Yeah, you were. Yeah. <laughs> you were the Papu Cannon of train seats. <laughs> so Paul wants to trade seats with Jamie, right? Yes. Paul wants to trade seats with Jamie. Jamie so he does. does. He does. And then he has the panic, the same panic I have yep. every time I do that, which yep. is... If now I'm sitting forward, how come every other seat in the train is facing, facing backward? Back. Yep. Which sometimes happens. Like Yes, which is really, crazy, but it's it's such a real concern. It, it it's not crazy because the thing you're talking about is not a thing. <laughs> oh, it's I, not? No, like I know what you're talking about. I know that it is real to you, but you're just like, it's crazy. Why would they build all of these trains with the seats facing the wrong, wrong way? It's like, well, because they're the right way, the other direction. A, that is true. And B, it's because the phobia and problem that you have is for no people. <laughs> it's for so many. You just happen to live in a – you're the – you're the one guy I know that doesn't get nauseous on a backwards train. You know what? You're not wrong. Because so far we got Paul Reiser, we got my old buddy, and we've got you. And you're all on one team. And I'm the only one saying, just ride the train, man. So Bingo. I'm well, outnumbered well, we got again. That squared away. <laughs> so they go bouncing back and forth between the yep. seats. Yep. And then somebody sits down in one of the seats into which yeah, she is Yeah, while they're not looking. While they're not looking. And she gets her lap sat upon. Hey! Hey! Sorry. Like, I don't have enough problems with my pelvis. <laughs> Actually, these seats are taken. We're waiting for someone. Aren't we all? Do you recognize this woman? Because oh, I did. Oh, I think everyone watching this show recognized uh, her. If not her face, just her voice. Just her voice. Who did you recognize her as? Well, I recognized her for two things. Because first of all, and most famously, she is Mrs. Wallowitz from The Big Bang Theory, which I have watched yeah. on occasion. Right. So we know her voice. 
But before she was Mrs. Wallowitz to me, mm-hmm. she was from My Blue Heaven. Oh my gosh. She has one line in My Blue Heaven. Wow. Where Steve Martin is escaping from Rick Moranis and the airport and he's making up lies and he's telling his mother that Rick Moranis, who is actually an FBI agent, invented the rotary engine. And then his mother tries to introduce him to his cousin, who is played by Mrs. Wallowitz. And in Italian, he says, this is Barney Coopersmith. He invented the rotary engine. He's a very nice man. You should date him. Something like that. And then she says out loud, Filomena, vieni qui. Questa mi nepote Filomena, bella Filomena. Questo è Barney Coopersmith, l'inventore di la macchina circulare. This is a really you had to be there thing, I think. Absolutely. It's not funny at all. I recognize I recognize one line from one movie. Yeah. It's not even a particularly interesting line. No, but it's And actually it makes me not want to watch the movie again. I've seen My Blue Heaven so much, and I love it so much that when I had not seen Big Bang Theory all that much, but when she died and they showed pictures of her and I heard her voice for a second. I just said, oh, I thought Wankel invented the rotary engine. Oh my gosh. That's how in it I am for my blue heaven. Great Didn't movie. my blue heaven come out around that time? Probably, probably in the, yeah, probably around 92 ish. Oh, 90. Yeah. Yeah. Her character name was Philomena. Yep. Philomena. Quest oh my Barney gosh. Coopersmith. Yeah. Wow. She's got oh, one line. Oh no, she passed away. <laughs> I mean, sorry to, to put that. I just didn't know that. No, that's fine. What else do you in, know In 2014. She was born in Brooklyn. She was Italian. She studied at HP Studios in the 70s. And she passed away from cancer in 2014 in Los Angeles. Yes, very, very, very sad. Yeah. She had a great career, though. For sure. I recognized her, I'm sure you did as well, from Seinfeld. Uh, you didn't? Refresh my memory, because all, what? I, know, all I know is that one line from... <laughs> From my blue heaven. What key oh, role does she play in Seinfeld? Russ. Who is she? Mrs. Sopel's daughter. Mrs. Sopel's daughter. What you have a Sopel? very, you have a very attractive daughter, Mrs. Sopel. Do you like gum? Because I, I got a gum guy. I, I, well, I could get you boxes of gum. Do you is... like the Mets? My friend is friends with. Oh, what's his name? <laughs> Keith Hernandez. Yes. Yeah. You remember? She's the unemployment. The unemployment woman's daughter who George goes on a date with and he takes her to McDonald's and she goes, boy, I haven't had a Big Mac in a long time. <laughs> do you remember now? I think I do. You think you do? I'll watch it again. John, I've got one line from My Blue Heaven and the entirety of the Jackson stuck in my head. I Fair. don't have room for everything from Seinfeld. Okay, buddy boy? You know what, though? Those are two more of my favorite episodes, though. The Boyfriend Part 1 and The Boyfriend Part 2. Yep. Maybe that's why I remember it so well. I'll check them out. So she... I'm, not, I'm not going out with the guy whose highest aspirations working in a hardware store. <laughs> remember? <laughs> oh, gosh. I love that show. Not enough. Not enough is right. Fine. <laughs> I like that show. <laughs> I love My Blue Heaven. Are you happy? So to sort of calm the women down, Jamie leans over and whispers something in her ear. And mm-hmm. she gives Paul a sympathetic look, touches his arm, and gives the seat up to right. him. And we find out that it's because Jamie said his mom was dead. Nothing. Just told her we needed some private time since we were going up for your mother's funeral. 
It always works. Why is it my mother? I don't know. When I wanted the leg room. I had to kill somebody. She came to mind. Great mother-in-law joke. Pretty good. So. So, we go to the frontal. Yes. We see the Mad About You title card as we hear the conductor go, All aboard! Mm-hmm. And then we go right into scene one. Boom. How fun for the no viewer. No stops. Yeah. No stops. The Express episode. The Express episode. Perfect. All the way to a sympathetic nugget. <laughs> so we're talking about the meal. What do we Yeah, eat? Paul has a lot of concerns about, you know, the differences between the Thanksgiving he's used to and the one that the Stemples normally have. Which is legitimate. Different meals and different food stuffs at big sure. holidays can throw a guy yeah i mean if there's not a turkey i, I you know i get a little depressed because no one in my family likes turkey the way i do oh yeah have you had thanksgivings without turkey i think so oh man i think so i don't remember exactly i think i sort of wiped not many maybe one sure and i think at the end i said maybe we could get turkey again next year <laughs> oh man <laughs> yeah and it so worked I feel you paul yeah. yeah. So they're talking about what they're going to have. and What uh, time is dinner? Mm-hmm. They eat. eat at three or four. He's used to eating at one. Which is an amazing thing that happens with Thanksgiving and nothing else. Mm-hmm. Hey, y'all should come over. We're, we're having a big dinner party we're gonna Saturday have night. Dinner. What time? We're going to have uh, dinner. Two o'clock. <laughs> yeah, it's a big dinner. Yeah. Don't be late for dinner. <laughs> so what? I'll be there six, seven? No, no, no. You know when you would normally watch your uh, soap operas? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's when we're going to have this huge meal, this huge dinner. Thanks for speaking in a language that's familiar to me. Yeah, you know how you watch soap operas. Yeah, my stories. Your story. <laughs> what time's dinner? Lunch. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. Thanksgiving is a day thing. Yeah. For many people. Frankly, if somebody were to say we have Thanksgiving dinner at 6 o'clock, I'd say, what's the matter with your family? <laughs> <laughs> So we talk about the different dishes, the oyster stuffing. The... Right. Paul is out on oyster stuffing. No, thank you. Yeah, because shellfish and meat and yep. the same thing, which I could see that. Sure. I'm I'll not... give them that hang up. Look, this is the sort of thing where I'm going to say right now, no thanks on oyster stuffing. That sounds gross. If I had it, I'd probably lose my mind on how good it is. Oh, I don't know. I could get behind it maybe. Yeah. Well, we start learning about her extended family. Right. Right? Because one of her cousins makes the oyster stuffing. Right. And he's trying to get the cousins straight. Right. There's one cousin with three dead husbands. Yes. That's Beth. Susie makes the stuffing. There's Jeanette and Arlene. Which one's Jeanette? The one he thinks is Arlene. That's a fun joke. Uh-huh. And while they're sort of sorting this out, lo and behold, guess who comes in? Oh, my goodness. It's Fran and Mark. And? Oh, and little Ryan. The little monster. The little monster wearing an Indian headdress and playing a Game Boy. Yeah, which you <laughs> couldn't do anymore. <laughs> you would not see that in 2017. You sure wouldn't. Frankly, you not- wouldn't be able to call it an Indian headdress anymore, and I'm going to try not to do that anymore, too. <laughs> a Native American headdress? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> okay. I'm starting to really sympathize and take on the roles of the Buckmans in real time. As I watch this show, which is to say I'm watching and I see the two of them on the train. and I'm just like, oh, this is going to be so nice. A chance for the ah. two of them to catch up. Right. And chat and be together and ride. Oh, we're going to have the we're gonna, just going to get yeah. to watch the two of them in their in their environment. And then Mark and Fran and Ryan show up. And I'm just like, sure. oh, you guys, what are you doing interfering? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it's a good thing we like Richard Kind. Yes. For sure. Because otherwise it would just be pure, like, I wish you people yeah. weren't friends anymore. Why, yeah. 
just get these people out of their life. Ryan is written as a monster. He's reading, or no, he's going to be reciting Hiawatha. Yeah, <laughs> what, what, what which is, is that? which is a thing that they say like it's a thing. Oh, really? It's yeah. not a thing. I have never, I have never heard of the role of Hiawatha in Thanksgiving. And if I have, uh... I didn't know that there was a recitation involved. Right, because I remember Squanto. Yes, I've heard that name from for elementary sure. school. Yes. Yeah. Which even that sounds weird to say now. Yes. Somehow Squanto, because we're the worst, somehow this person's actual name has devolved into a slur that we're not allowed to say. We can't even say Squanto anymore. Well, that might be What's the name. safe now? <laughs> is that the name? Yes, Squanto his name? is his name, yes. But doesn't it feel like a slur? It does, because we're the worst. <laughs> That's my thesis. <laughs> Society or you and me? Uh, a little of both. <laughs> now, I'm above society. <laughs> I'm Pat Buchanan of Pat Buchanan. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So Fran gets Paul to sit backwards because Ryan also gets nauseous if he sits backwards. So Fran, Mark, and Ryan cram into the two seats across from Paul and Jamie. And lo and behold, who shows up next in this little farcical train ride? It's Lisa and Selby. All right. What's Selby doing there? He's pretending to be Lisa's boyfriend. Indeed. Oh, and she's binge eating, which is so fun. Which is so She walks in fun. eating dining car food from the train. Yep. Which we all know is her go-to when she's about to spend time with her parents. Yep. She falls which we right learned back from in. Paul and the family. She falls right back in with her old eating disorders, which is a funny way to talk about a not funny thing. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> oh, gosh. Lisa's the best in general, and she's so funny in this. Mm, she is. So that's the end of the scene, right? Uh, we go yeah. to the exterior of the train. Mm-hmm. There's so many episodes where it's just each scene is just a little later than the scene before. And it's the same thing. They do some very, very interesting directorial work in this episode that I loved. And it probably works differently when there are commercials. But even watching the DVD without the commercials, it made the choices even more significant. It felt like a little play because it was all set in one place. Yeah, it was like a little bottle. Yeah, it was really cool. We come back to Lisa and Selby trying to figure out their backstory as a couple for her parents. Right. Why are they going out? Selby mm, wants to know. Why haven't they gone out yet? Yeah. yeah. And Lisa says, does Lisa say or does Selby say, you think I'm funny? Selby. Selby says, you think I'm funny. No, Lisa. <laughs> we'll cut this part. Or not. <laughs> this is the show, folks. Uh- <laughs> one of them says that, the other one disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to stop using character names, too. Yeah. <laughs> this whole thing's going to devolve into just There's, a mishmash. There would be no pronouns. Just... Yeah. <laughs> and somebody said something. That was funny, right? We're repealing and I'm replacing pronouns. <laughs> With nothing. Perfect. We sort of move pretty quickly from them to Mark and Fran. Right. Mark and Fran are talking about first holidays. Yes. Fran says the first holidays can create disorientation. They can be disorienting. Oh, tell me about it. Mark's got a whole story about that. He he starts telling his story, and it catches Fran by surprise, because Fran has not heard the end of this story, and she doesn't know anything about this story, and this story ends poorly for Fran. 
Yes, and we don't know how exactly, but we know Mark doesn't want to tell her. Look, I remember the first time that I took Fran to my family for Thanksgiving. She went completely manic. I wanted them to like me. And they would have, you know, except you know Fran. You know, she gets a little pushy, and she gets pushing and pushing. And finally, my sister, she grabs me by the arm. She pulls me into the kitchen, okay? She looks me right in the eye, and she says what? to me... Nothing. No, Mark. I'm curious. What did she say? Nothing. It was years ago. She loves you now, okay? Look, okay. And I also love... It just has that signature. Mark, whenever he's telling a story about... <laughs> it's a being negative about Fred, has such an energy behind it. Yes. It reminded me of the, the one when he's talking about her having Jamie's job. When JB gets the gig. Sure. And he's like, she had yeah. the same job for years and nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it's so hard because when he yells like that, it feels like he is telling the truth. Yes. He's being emotionally honest. Yes. It's taken over his yes. brain, yes. really. Yes. And then... The sensible part that would stop himself before Fran gets upset. Yes. And then Fran just interjects with... Then what happened? And it's just like, yeah. oh, oh no, oh no, <laughs> abort, abort. Abort. The train pulls into their stop. Right. And Fran sits down. Yes. And She's Mark, not budging. Mark is trying to get her to leave. First he tries by asking nicely. And then he tries to put his foot down and says, fine, I'm leaving. I'm going. And then we cut to yeah. commercial or whatever. We do a quick little... Kind of cut. cut back, and we cut back, and he's sitting there. Okay, <laughs> so we'll we'll go one further. <laughs> yeah, we'll get his cousin or whatever to pick him up at the next stop. Oh, really funny. Uh, he's a weak, weak man. Just the worst. It's so good. He's got no hand. He's got no hand. Whereas Fran has so much hand, she's coming out of her glove. <laughs> they decide that they're in a fight. Mark says, "Ryan, we're going to the fighting car." <laughs> Yes, which everywhere there's a silent car, the dining car, and the fighting car. The fighting car, which is real funny. It just has also one of those. I just feel like I've see, I see, you see those public fights all the time, all the time, and I, I love it. It's fun to watch. Once play a out. week in New York, yeah, yeah. You love just it? couples it's, fighting. It always makes me well. It makes me uncomfortable, but also I'm perversely curious. Yes, of course we all are because we know we all do it. Sure, I could do a tour of the bodegas I've had arguments with people in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they leave Ryan, uh, and Paul and Jamie are babysitters now. Yeah. Selby and Lisa are in pretty good state of things at the moment. Paul and Jamie, also pretty good state of things mm -hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. And now they're watching Ryan. Mm -hmm. And Ryan wants them to do something. Yeah, and he just goes, do something! Which, come on, kid. Yeah, right. Just the worst. You do something. You do something. <laughs> well, shut up. How about that? <laughs> I wish the something that Paul had done was to throw him through the window out of a moving train. <laughs> oh. Oh. Or tell him to run away again. And then Paul flips him the bird and says, there, I did something. <laughs> yeah, that's like that old joke about the... It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a good joke. You didn't even tell yeah. him. I'm still laughing. <laughs> So Ryan starts jumping up and down on the train seat. Yes. He stops asking to do something, and he decides to take the activity into his own hands, and he just uh, stands right up on the seat and ju jumps around like a and real Paul jerk. And Paul says... Hey, hey, hey. Watch it, then. It's fun! 
Yeah, well, just remember, you start out laughing, you end up crying. <laughs> What's that mean? I mean, you start out laughing, you're horsing around, and boom, tragedy ensues. <laughs> My parents used to say to me all the time. God, that explains so much. Did you get advice like that? We all did, right? I'm sure. Yeah. I keep on equating that to, like, I'll give you something to cry about, which means something different, and I didn't hear that at all. Oh, okay. Wow. That would be a big one. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not uncovering repressed memories about abuse right now. Don't worry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, there's all sorts of stuff. I remember I used to I, I I would hear God punished you a lot. You ever hear that? Like if you oh did like for, a guilt for like, like a for like little things. It's like get the violins out, kind of. Oh, God punished you. Or like if you didn't want to, you didn't make your bed, and your mom said make your bed, and you say I don't want to make my bed. No way. And then you're walking out of your room and you stub your toe. And oh, gotcha. And then it's see God punished you. Oh, I see. Which I never equated with the actual idea of God actually punishing me. Maybe that was the problem, Russ. Yeah, but <laughs> if I were to, I'm like, that's a lot of stuff to lay on a kid. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's atonement right there. I guess so. Holy moly. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I grew up with. So Ryan buttons this moment by just declaring, I have to make. Which, oh, God. <laughs> Is that the worst euphemism? No, it's my favorite. That's your favorite? Was that your euphemism of choice? Oh, yeah. Oh, John, come on, man. Because it dodges it, you know, for being explicit. And also, you know, it's... I could be wrong, but I'm assuming it's a Jewish term, right? My grandmother used to say it. I don't know about exclusively Jewish. I only recognize it from Jewish culture. Oh. Including my own upbringing. I did not grow up with that. Interesting. I think it was just you have to go to the bathroom. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, are you Sephardic or Ashkenazi? (laughs) Maybe that's the distinction. Like a grown-up. That's how my mother would speak to me. Like a well, that's nice. (laughs) Yeah, I'd get guilt about uh, about letting God down, and then I'd say, (laughs) and then she'd say, which also like a grown-up. Yeah. And then she'd say, Mister Fader, uh, do you need to use the facilities? Like a like a elderly caretaker, basically, yeah, yeah, or caregiver. <laughs> oh, so they get online. Selby has, uh, or does Selby have the the the? Yeah, the so now we on? break up. We break yes. up the the characters, sort of by gender. We cut to the next later on the train ride, and we got Selby, Ryan, and Paul in the line for the men's room, and uh, Sel- yeah, Selby's Selby's going through something. Yeah, big emotional episode for Selby. He's wondering about kids. I can't wait to see the kids that Selby has. Oh, they're going to be very cool kids. I see him with a boy and a girl, I think, right? I really didn't go that far. (laughs) So sure. So sure. Yeah. He talks about donating a sperm to a lesbian couple. Yes. (laughs) I mean, wow. Yeah. And then uh, Paul says, yeah, why not turn your hobby into something useful? Yeah, classic. Which is a great classic. Ma- Everybody loves that masturbation joke. Everyone loves that joke. That's why they use it in every show. There we go. But what a progressive plot point for 1992. Sure. Bravo, guys. I mean, on, on network TV. Talking obliquely about uh, 
Uh, well, you know what? I was thinking about that joke being progressive, which it isn't really. But the f- idea nope. of donating to lesbian couples? Yeah, great. That, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you're talking about the actual progressive thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was obvious. Well, I'm an idiot, so. This sort of leads into a longer conversation about knowing, you know, when the girl you're going out with is the one. Which is wonderfully done. Beautifully classic we cut back and forth they cut back between the two genders which is maybe a little outdated but also still relevant in a way it's also great because i didn't realize that they were going i mean obviously i didn't realize they were going to cut back and forth like that and so when paul started talking about the veal chop that jamie yes very first dates we go out to dinner we're talking waiter comes over and without batting an eye she goes i'll have the veal chop Wow. Exactly. Not a salad like all the others. Not a little girly wedge of melon. Meat. She gets a huge chunk of meat. I wish you went after that chop, man. I, I thought, that that's a person who knows who she is. That, that's a woman I could love. I was not into his side of the veal chop story. Oh, I see. And then, yeah, but that's like an old thing people use. I think it was maybe more of a thing before we were adults. Maybe. But then when she started telling her side of it, mm-hmm. and I realized what was happening, I got very into it. I think that Helen Hunt does a wonderful job of acting this whole scene. A veal chop? It was our third date, and I already knew it wasn't going anywhere. So we went out to dinner, and I decided, what the hell? I'm just going to order the most expensive thing on the menu. I'm never going to see this guy again anyway. So we ate, and he walked me home, and just as I was about to tell him that this was it, you fell in love. I got sick. <laughs> Apparently. I mean, really sick. I mean, I threw up on his shoes. So basically, it's clear that they both have... They get to yeah. sort of a peak of the little part of the yeah. story, and then you cut to the other guys yeah. talking, and it's the total opposite impression. Yeah. He's, I really liked her. She's like, I was going to break up with him. Mm-hmm. And then, beautifully, the stories start to merge. Yeah. I threw up on his shoes. I stayed with her the whole night. We woke up together. And here we are. And here we are. Really, really, really sweet. Very sweet, as usual. Got Nailed it, Barnett. Lane. Nailed it, Barnett. So, what do we got going on? We learn more. Hap Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Russ and I are trying to be more succinct on the show. <laughs> and I showed him the time. So, and now we're panicked. So, we so, set a time box for this episode, and we're brushing up against it only ten minutes into the episode, okay? So then more, <laughs> so then more people talked, and then the episode ended. Yeah, that's what's happening right now. It was great. It was really funny. We all laughed. Uh, so Jamie, Nathan right, Diffie so, did <laughs> the art. I'm all flustered. <laughs> you know what? Watch the episode. <laughs> what are we doing? We can, yeah. we can wrap this episode up in 22 minutes. Just watch Just it. watch the thing. Come up with your own opinions. <laughs> We finish this jumping back and forth, and I'm guessing they go to commercial because I that I would. <laughs> <laughs> and we come back, and uh, Paul and Ryan are walking back to their seats after uh, you know the bathroom, and Jamie's back there now. Yep. We learn about her her upbringing. Yeah. We find her out teenage about, life. We find out Hop, about, about Hap Evans. Hap Evans, which is such a great Connecticut name. Ah. Uh. 
her ex-fiancé. Yes! She keeps... Oh, it's such a fun tear. Yeah. She just keeps dropping specifics in the most innocuous manner. Like, none of them mean anything. She was engaged. She played cello. She uh, almost became a nun. All in the span of two seconds, she says this. Even though she's not Catholic. Paul's learning all this stuff, and then he says, this is why I don't like to leave the apartment. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is very, very funny. I love that joke, too. For sure. The argument to not leave the apartment ever in your life is like a classic New York trope, I feel like. Sure. Also, probably anywhere. And it's a strong argument. The world is the worst. (laughs) You got to get out there. You got to get out there. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) I'll see you guys later. (laughs) So, uh... Oh, and we learned that he was the lead in the music, man. Which will come in later a little. Yep. They played... 76 trombones together. So Mark and Fran come back. Yes. Right? Well, they're, it's it's just about time to leave. Oh, yeah. They're, they're pulling into the last stop. Right. Which is New Haven. Yes. Lisa and Selby are fighting. They're thinking about stealing the veal chop story for themselves. And yes. Converting right? it to a lamb chop or something. Mm-hmm. Mark and Fran decide to invite themselves over to the Stemple family dinner for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the conductor has a great line here as they all leave. New Haven, this is New Haven. Last stop, have a happy holiday. Oh, yeah, easy for you to say. It's my job. The conductor is great, and it gets a huge laugh. Huge laugh, he slays. Really, really funny. It's just, it's my job. It's so funny that it made the Caltech episode description notable lines section. Really? Yeah, <laughs> you even got those dorky rocket scientists to laugh. <laughs> so you know it's funny. It's got to be. They don't laugh at anything. The conductor's played by um, Michael Fairman. Guess who that actor is? Who is that? Mr. Penske. Mr. Penske, from, also from Seinfeld. Hey, Russ, have you ever seen the show Seinfeld? It aired on NBC right before Mad About You. <laughs> Look, you know what? That's funny, and I get it, and I know... You remember the two episodes of The Heights? <laughs> yeah. From ABC? Yeah, buddy, I do. <laughs> you That's right, I do. One Seinfeld reference we've mentioned. I'm not going to be shamed by you. <laughs> Excuse me, I just learned a new thing, looking at his IMDb. Oh, you didn't and I'm know? I'm sorry. You I... didn't know everything about him? He's Mr. <laughs> Penske. No. You must be how... some kind of idiot. Remember how we've discovered other things like the new Dick Van Dyke show and the yes. Barefoot in the Park TV series? Yes. There was a Mrs. Columbo. John, I heard about Mrs. Columbo today. No! <laughs> what? She was played by Kate Mulgrew. Yes, she was. I was listening to a podcast <laughs> what? where they talked about Mrs. Columbo today. That is crazy. I think it was Never Not Funny with Jimmy Pardo. But this afternoon, I was listening to something, and they mentioned it. If you had given me an extra minute or two, I would have come up with Kate Mulgrew. I love the description of IMDb, too. Mrs. Kate Columbo, wife of the famous lieutenant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that whole television crimes. show about him. <laughs> yeah, as a reporter while raising her little daughter. But yeah, like the notion that, oh, Columbus saw so many murders now, he's just the talk of the town. <laughs> the town being Los Angeles, California. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Like Love he's a it. superhero with an old car and a trench coat. <laughs> I got to get my hands on one of those because I want to know how many tropes they borrowed from Columbo. <laughs> I want to see Kate Mulgrew as a reporter say, sorry, 
just one more question. I, yeah, or I just, or yeah, she puts her own spin on it. I guess a reporter would say follow up. Yes, I have one follow up. <laughs> Quick, but before I leave. Uh... <laughs> yeah, she'd be exiting. She'd stop. Yep. She'd come back. She'd take the notebook back out, the pen. Yep. Or the dictaphone. She doesn't have a trench coat. She has like some large down thing. <laughs> yeah. What? She's not, not a weather. She person. has an she has an eye patch. <laughs> I don't think you know what a journalist is. Well, I don't think you know that Peter Falk had a glass eye. I I forgot. Well, <laughs> actually. Yeah, that was a funny joke, you jerk. Anyway. I think it has something to do with an understandable, excessive ambition, what's usually thought of as a man's profession. Well, I'll try to confine my ambition to reviewing the PTA show. For now, I have an appointment with my dog's doctor, which is probably just as well, because I've embarrassed myself enough for one day, haven't I? Mr. Houston, may I ask you a question? Yes, of course. The paper said your wife had just come from the hairdressers. I believe she had had her hair done, yes. Why would a woman with a new hairdo ruin it with an electric hair dryer? She never got a chance to tell me. Perhaps she didn't like it. I guess we'll never know. You think I could have figured that out for myself? Wow, fascinating. Anyway, yeah, so the guy who plays him was Mr. Penske, from the, the guy from the Penske file, you know, where George has that job for an episode. Oh, and, okay, uh, of course. He's in all sorts of stuff. Yes, yes, yes. A very cool career. Night Court, Taxi, My Two Dads. So we worked with Paul Reiser before. This brings up My Two Dads, which... <laughs> Is going to become a segment on our show. I don't know if we're going to do yeah. it right now, but we're going to have a segment called How Haven't We Talked About My Two Dads Yet? Yeah, How Haven't We Talked I, About My Two Dads? I don't know. Did you watch What's My never? Two Dads? What's never? <laughs> That's been this episode of How Haven't We Talked About My Two Dads Yet? <laughs> so the conductor, you know, lets everyone off at the last stop. And we go to commercial, I would imagine. And when we come back, this is beautiful, right? We come back. There's less than half the episode left. Everyone's coming back on the train after Thanksgiving. I was very confused when this happened for a split second. Well, fair. For a second. You thought they were going to relive it? <laughs> the first? You thought it was going to be the first half again, but different? So they're back on the train. It's the 9 p.m. back to New York, Thanksgiving night. Which makes right. it just seem like everyone got the hell out of there. Yes. No Black Friday back then. This was very interesting because for a split second I was just like, wait, they got, why are they on the train again? They were just getting off the train. They're still on the train. Are they in another car? What's going But Jamie has her cello with her. Yeah. And I'm suddenly, I'm just like, oh, we've done a time jump. It's now later. We're coming back. This is great. It's great. And then I'm assuming this is what you were talking about with the fun, interesting shots. Yes. The camera sort of dollies down the train car and we hit each couple. We see that mm -hmm. Jamie's mad at Paul. We see that Lisa's mad at Selby. And then, of course, Mark and Fran at the end are just doing great. Oh, they're so good. They're apologizing. They're in love. All of the dynamics have flipped. Did you see Ryan at all in this shot? I did not. I was very happy in that I forgot that he existed. <laughs> yeah, I thought maybe they left him at, at the Stumples, I guess, to watch him. Would have been real, real nice if they had. Yeah, is it okay if we leave him here for the next seven years? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm trying to remember. Just until does, the series is done. Does that kid make it throughout the series, or do they write him off? 
No, he dies pretty quickly. Okay, great. This is the best news. I don't know. Actually, we'll have to find out. Yeah, we'll find out together. Selby adopts him. <laughs> great. Good for the two of them. And then they go from there. Yeah, the happy couples are so, fighting. The fighting couples are happy. And Jamie is giving Paul the silent treatment. Yes. Yes, and, and she's reading one of Carrie Fisher's books. She's reading Surrender the Pink by Carrie Fisher. That's it. Yeah. Have you read that? I have not. Me but neither. I looked it up, and it sounds really good. It's about her marriage to Paul Simon. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's a romance novel uh, about falling in love with somebody who you think is great, and then it doesn't work out. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Totally. Yeah, I love that she's reading that. I want to know who picked it. Maybe it was her. I don't know. By the way, do you know the song Hearts and Bones? What do you think? <laughs> I think you don't. I think you're right. <laughs> Paul Simon's Hearts and Bones is about Carrie Fisher, and it's a wonderful song. Check it out. Okay. So why we is Jamie... That, uh... Yeah. Why is Jamie mad at Paul? Because Paul's mom. Because his mom FedExed a turkey. Oh my gosh. Basically, it's a classic everybody loves Raymond situation. Yeah, she pulled a barone. A barone, thank you. She pulls yeah. a barone via FedEx. And not only did she send that, she sent a jello mold. She sent uh-huh. a whole, a complete Thanksgiving dinner. And I would assume some kugel, because they talk about kugel in this episode nonstop. A lot, a lot of kugel talk. Did you have that at your Thanksgiving as a kid? Yes. Same. My mom makes kugel, and she makes really good kugel. Mm. So, yeah, we would we would absolutely have kugel. My grandmother used to make it. Oh, good stuff. That was one that I needed to age into, where when I was a kid, I was just like, what? Noodle? Pudding? No. And then... <laughs> How did you eat it? Because when, when my grandmother would make it, it was like a noodle cupcake, like a burnt noodle cupcake with a soft middle. Interesting. I would have... Yeah. It would be like a, a, a closer to... A Napoleon is the wrong word, but that kind of shape. Where it would just be like it would be a small, a small square, maybe two, two and a half inches uh, deep, and you just go oh. at it with a go at it with a fork. How deep was your kugel, guys? <laughs> Tweet you us all know that kugel. You all, you all know that BG song. How oh, deep was uh, your I, kugel? I can tell that's a joke. I don't get it, but I'm sure all <laughs> of you do. So enjoy. <laughs> so yeah, basically, Paul's mother insulted the Stepples. Passive-aggressively. Yes. yes. Then we go to why Selby and Lisa are in a fight. Yes. And it's because Selby said that they were engaged. Oops. Big oops. He got, he got carried he got, away. He got real caught up in the moment. He's going through something in this episode. He is. He's feeling a the lot of The Playboy's finally questioning his lifestyle a little, yeah, I think. it's happening. Or he's trying this on for size, this whole other approach to life. Yeah. You see how the other half lives, and it looks pretty nice. And while he's while they're arguing, nope, never mind. <laughs> okay, so Paul is talking to Jamie. They are going back and forth about what his mom did, and Paul says something, and he crosses the line. Indeed. And Jamie gets up and walks back to Lisa and Selby. I mean, and he knew it too. We all knew it. He went too far. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. They sort of do the classic swap again. She goes to talk yep. to Lisa. Selby goes to talk to Paul. Yep. And now we get both takes in an honest way. Yes. Lisa is still eating up a storm. She pulls a full jello mold out that's not in any <laughs> case or anything. Lisa's mental illness triggers and eating disorders are on full blast. Very funny. We also learn she's on Prozac. Yes, which she talks about hilariously. And that's mm-hmm. also progressive. Jen was mentioning, and I was agreeing. Yeah, they like the fact that Lisa talks so openly about her mental... That's true. And being on Prozac in 1992, even if it yeah. was a... You know, it's somewhat... We're not so much laughing at her as much as with her. And that's huge. <laughs> Pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I agree. 
Yes, Selby really liked the meal. He liked the family. Yes. And, yes. uh, and the, the family liked him. Jamie's dad yes, is... Yes, they did. <laughs> Jamie's dad is going golfing with him, which is something that he never asked Paul to do. Yeah, Paul has this whole thing at one point in the episode where he's like, he never asked me to golf with him. Yep. And she's like, because you don't know how. And then we learn that yeah, he asked Selby. Asked Selby. And he asked Hap. Hap. Yes, he's asked Hap. And now he's asked Selby. Oh, poor emasculated Paul. Poor emasculated Paul. So... Mark and Fran are making out, which I have a lot yeah. of feelings about. Sure. Don't I want we all? you guys. What, get a room? Yeah, get it together. I do not want to see uh, you up. two making out on a train. I think it's sweet. <laughs> Jamie interrupts them. Well, Jamie just sort of hovers over them. Right. And Mark and Fran just sort of look at her like they don't yes. want to be interrupted. Right. Which is so funny because they're the two most interrupting people in the world. That's very true. That's a great point. But Mark reluctantly gives up his seat to let Jamie sit and he just goes for a walk. Right. <laughs> so he does that. Fran is talking to Jamie. They're venting or she's venting. And Fran winds up telling Jamie that, uh, you know, she saw Hap and whatever Hap looks good or was good or whatever. But then she says he's no Paul Buckman. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. Yeah, it's really sweet. A France sweet moment, which we don't get a lot. We don't. That's very true. Yeah. She can be pretty unforgiving in this show. Yeah. So, yeah, so Jamie and Paul want the day to start again. They both say that. They just want a do-over for this day because it's turned into such a nightmare. Right. And we see that Mark now is talking to Paul, which is always like a dream for him. Right. <laughs> And he's romanticizing the Metro North train. Riding the rails at night makes him feel like Jack Kerouac. Yeah, that's so funny. Mark always feels like he is auditioning for Paul's friendship. Yes, which is so relatable and depressing. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I love Mark's... this story about Jack Kerouac. I don't know a lot about Kerouac. I know On the Road takes place... It's primarily in cars, right? It's a. It's a... It's driving. Oh, Russ! It's all over this great is it country. All over? But is, is it? Are I there trains my, involved? A little, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Trains, trucks, cars. Yeah, I knew trucks and cars. I thought that it was just trucks and cars. I didn't realize that there was train hopping as well. And I thought that it would be very funny if I yeah, feel like me, Jack let Kerouac. Me you, let me give you a little advice. Don't take a beatnik's title too literally. <laughs> Okay, so you think on the road and also the train tracks is a little too clunky? <laughs> it's a great book. You should check it out. I read most of it. I'm not oh, sure that I agree you with like you. You not like it? <laughs> no. Okay, well, let's not talk about it. Great. <laughs> I love the train. Riding the rails through the night makes me feel like Jack Kerouac. You know he died of a stomach hemorrhage while opening a can of tuna fish? <laughs> Well, it just goes to show you. Gotta live in the moment, keep moving on. Anything else is just riding backwards. But uh, we see little hints of Mark sort of uh, romanticizing the beatnik culture, which I feel like might come into play uh, seasons from now. It might. It might well. It might. There's something in there wanting to get out. For sure. How's that for a tease? So go. later, we're back in the train. Sorry to interrupt and backpedal, but Mark says Mark no, drops please. the Mark drops the title of the episode on us. He says, just goes to show you gotta live in the moment and keep moving on. Anything else is just riding backwards. You know what? I can't believe I didn't notice that. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. A yeah. titular line. 
the titular line pretty handily mm. shoehorned into natural conversation camouflaged almost because i missed it <laughs> i would have loved for paul to have said wait what do you what do you mean by that you said that like that's a thing that's not a thing <laughs> <laughs> right, writing, right. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I get yeah. it. No, I, it is. <laughs> You're forcing me to think about the title more than I wanted to. But now that I am, I'm, I'm sorry. happy. Well, good. No, I'm glad. Well, good. So later, Mark and Fran are asleep on each other. Yep. And Paul and Jamie just sort of stand up and, and catch each other's eyes. By the way, this and is a two-hour two commute, Max. <laughs> Yes, sure. But a lot can happen. That's true. A lot can happen. Train rides are long and boring. Well, they're not long and boring. They're two hours. (laughs) Yeah, but think of how much life you could fit into a four-hour trip, right? Round trip, four hours. That's true. Yeah, I'm so sick of sticking up for the timelines in these shows. (laughs) It's exhausting. I'm sorry. I'll try to be better about it. It's okay. (laughs) So so everybody's Stop writing me about the timelines. (laughs) So everybody's asleep. They have the Cinderella moment. Yeah, from across the room. Yeah, this moment felt like uh, planes, trains, and automobiles to me. Oh, I've never seen it. I know, I know. Oh, John. Oh, and it's a Thanksgiving movie, and this is a Thanksgiving episode. That is one of my top three favorite movies ever. It might be my favorite. You would love. Indeed. You I know, I know. John Candy, Steve Martin, a bunch of curse uh, words in a car. I know, I know. Okay. You've got to see The Wire. That was the adaptation of On the Road, right? Yeah. Yeah, the more literal. Exactly. Yeah, I was about to make a trade where I was just like, okay, how about this? You watch Plane Change and Automobiles, and I'll watch The Wire. <laughs> ah, okay. I got an hour I'm, and a half. Do you have 100 I'm hours? Re- I'm really getting the short end of the time stick on that. Yep. But you're getting the big fat end of the pleasure stick. Hey, now. <laughs> so they kiss. Jamie and Paul kiss. Yeah, they have this great, like, dialogueless apo- like apology. They don't even have to say it, you know? Uh-huh. And it's a good thing they don't have to say it, because when they try to say it, mm-hmm. Jamie says... Big fight. <laughs> Jamie says, I forgive you. Paul says, for what? And they fight. And so they're kind of just sitting separately, cooling off. When and this Ryan is when, out of nowhere, it turns yeah. out he'd been sleeping across from Paul and Mark, or Fred and Mark, which makes sense, but they never established that. They and never he scared do. the crap out of me. Yeah. And he wakes up like the good son almost. He's got this look on his face like, I'm either going to kill my mother or someone else on this train. (laughs) Right? Was it just me? (laughs) Yes. It's very creepy. It's very, very weird. (laughs) It's like, you thought I was dead, but I'm alive. I'm not. And different. Yeah. (laughs) I'm half alive. Yeah. (laughs) And my soul, my soul, I don't know where I left it. I've been pet cemeteried. (laughs) Yeah. The Stemples dug me up in their backyard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that creeped me out. And he goes back over to Paul and does the same annoying, do something. Yep. Except this time. Yeah. Yeah. This time Paul tells the story of the first Thanksgiving, which, by the way, Ryan should know by now. It's like you're in school, kid. He's pretty little. But he's reciting Native American speeches. Know your history, kid. He's also doing Hiawatha, which you don't even know. So before we start, you know, careful. I think that rock you're throwing might break one of your glass walls. <laughs> oh, also, man. to be fair, Ryan doesn't <laughs> want any of the story. I'm, I'm throwing Plymouth Rock at my glass house. 
<laughs> Very good. Oh man, why couldn't you be here so I could high five you right now? <laughs> <laughs> so Paul tells him the story. To me, there's a great tradition, and maybe there's not. I can because I can also only think of one. But leading males on TV shows telling stories to children. This very much reminded me of Ricky. <laughs> there's no way anyone's gonna relate to this. But Ricky Ricardo <laughs> oh telling God. little Ricky the story of Little Red Riding Hood in Spanish. Look, that's and very funny. Lucy... And that's a great show. <laughs> and you are 60. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy looking on lovingly at it. In the same way that Jamie sort of like Paul gets her attention, especially when through the story it becomes sort of an allegory. For, well, not an allegory, but a metaphor uh, for their yes. relationship. Right. They ate, they ate everything. I mean, they, they had turkey, uh, kugel, uh, oyster stuffing, and uh, Hiawatha's mother FedExed a, a lovely jello mold. What an insult. It was a gesture. But the point is that they had come together and they knew that they were in this thing together for the whole nine yards, no matter what. For that, they gave thanks. Yeah, yeah at the uh, first Thanksgiving, there was Kugel. There was Kugel. There was Ed. Ed, Ed the, the first pilgrim. Yeah, the first pilgrim. Oh, the Indian right. was Ed. One of the two, for sure. One of the two, yeah. And, of course, the Pilgrims and the Native Americans uh, realized at the first Thanksgiving that they were both in it together, and we all lived peacefully and happily ever after. Yeah, we're in it for the whole nine yards, and Jamie says, and for that they were thankful. Mm-hmm. And they join hands, and it's very sweet. It's very sweet, except not what happened in real life between the Pilgrims. Well, I don't know the Pil- I don't know the history that well, but I know, I know enough. Yeah, they're just lying to this kid. They're telling yeah. lies... Lie upon lie. Well, the same way we were lied to, Russ, as, guess, as children. I guess that's true. And then for the so outro. The button, yeah? Yeah, the outro well, of the wait. episode. Oh, Hold please. On. Please. Well, no. This is, okay, this isn't worth it. I stopped the whole thing again. I pulled the emergency brake for maybe not anything interesting. I, I don't know if you noticed this. The button of the last scene, Ryan does the do something again. And they hold on it long enough where he breaks at the end. I did not and notice that. And he smiles. That. He, like, starts smiling, like, really big. And for uh-huh. a second, you see, like, the kid. Aw. And it's such a relief. Ugh. And you're well, like, good. man, is this kid a good actor? Because he seems like the nicest kid. I'll have to watch he's it again. The, yeah. It's, I, a, it's quite honestly, I'm not a kid guy, but adorable. This kid needs to earn a little extra goodwill for me. So <laughs> I'll give him an extra. I'll yeah, give him a no, break. It helped. We forgot to mention the joke that the closing music alludes to, I think. Oh, you're right. We did. It's such a good joke. Yeah. When they're fighting, when Paul and Jamie are fighting on the train, Paul's talking about, we learned that during Thanksgiving, uh, Hap came over and Jamie played 76 trombones on her cello and right. Hap sang. And of course, Paul's got a great joke about that. Like maybe when your old pal Hap stopped by? How do you think that felt? Having to watch the two of you perform the entire score in a music man? And I'll tell you something, babe. 
76 trombones was not written for the cello. Says who? The title. So, playing under the closing credits is a cello version of 76 trombones. Honey, you really need a trombone on this. Trust me. Did you like that or hate that? I like that one. I'm surprised. I never know with you. No, I like that one. That was them trying to be funny and not trying to be cute. Yes, sure. Yeah. This episode's really full because we cut the opening song and yep. there's a joke at the very yeah. end after all the credits have played when they normally mm. say, in front. Right. Instead of that, <laughs> they have a joke. Not a moment wasted. Not a moment wasted. Folks. Well, we've done great it episode. again. Thanks John, for listening. Congrats. <laughs> I have a show coming up the first weekend in May, so a little ways away. But yeah, first weekend in May, I'll be doing uh, the sequel, where we improvise a musical. A sequel to your favorite Broadway musical right in front of your faces. Beautiful. At the Magnet Theater, 29th and 8th. It's super duper funny. Mm. And I'm at Russ Fader, R-U-S-S-F-E-D-E-R, on Twitter. Say hello to me, won't you? I got nothing to plug. Awesome. Unless you missed NCIS Los Angeles last week or two weeks ago. ago? I don't know. And you have the CBS All Access Pass. (laughs) Great. Do you know the episode? As many people are age two. Yeah, I think it's 767. Awesome. It's set on an airplane, folks. Gotta love that. And that's it, though. Nothing else. At Johnny Marbles, no age. Well, there's a little bit of extra news, John, which we can touch on. What? About our plans. Our potential plans for this June. Oh, yes. Big show coming up, coming to Long Island, is Mr. Paul Reiser doing stand-up comedy. Oh, baby. Uh, in Patchogue, and uh, we've got a couple of tickets. We are very, very we, excited. Yes, we do. We are very Mid-June. excited. I'm sure all of you are as well if you live in that area. Yeah, if you're there, go to the show, let us know you'll be there, keep your eyes open, and uh, we'll say hi. Or yeah. don't. Don't. Keep yourselves... You know what else you can do? Just later on, uh, tweet at us and say, missed you guys. Would have loved to have said hi. And that'll be fine, too. We get it. Or say nothing. (laughs) Or say nothing. Just enjoy the show and live your life. Yeah, and it won't make a difference. (laughs) We'll be ignorant of it. (sighs) So, yeah, we're very much looking forward to seeing Paul Reiser. It's exciting. It's a rare rare event. It is. He doesn't do a whole lot of stand-up. Um, no, and uh, not in New York, especially. So yeah, I'm pretty jazzed about it. Me uh, too. And I'm psyched that you'll. I'm psyched that you'll be coming out for it. It'll be fun to be able to do that together. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. Yes. So, hey, rise guys, rise gals. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Thank you for rating and reviewing and liking and facebooking. Yes. Thank and- you. We love it. And if you haven't reviewed us, please do it. It uh, it helps us get. Good showing on the iTunes store so that more people can find out about it. Yeah, you've been doing great so far. If you haven't uh, yeah. if you haven't written or anything, just, uh, you know, we ask that you do. It'll be fun and quick. Oh, man, the fun that you'll have reviewing us on iTunes. Ah, <laughs> treat yourself. Treat yourself. Have some fun. Our logo is designed by Nathan Diffie. Our theme music is by John D. Ivey. We, both, we thank both of those gentlemen for their work. They are wonderful. John, I think that's it for me. How about you? That's it. Fantastic. 
Rise Guys and Rise Gals, my name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And this... Whoa. What the hell was that? Russ? Russ, you okay? Oh, my head. I feel like that lady who was shot by that famous actor's girlfriend. We've been over this, John. Her name was Mary Joe Buttafuoco, and her husband, Joey, was a guy. Whoa, what the hell is going on?